time's yours. Uh, Rich Hoffman, my guest again. Rich Hoffman of LibertyBallers.com. Quarter pound, the, the bi-weekly updated quarter pounder no cheese.com. <laughs> bi-weekly? No, that's too much, man. Yeah. <laughs> so we were maybe just... Maybe once a week. Maybe. maybe. Well, it was funny. I, didn't you do one for game one? Did you do one after game one of the finals? Yeah, I did one after game one. I had a couple hours off. But yeah, I haven't done it since. But uh, I've still been watching, so. It's, um, we, were, we were talking right before we started recording. Um, the, I'm, I fell asleep. I get up at four. So I, uh, I felt, and I was so amped after the game. Like I was so, um, you know, just juiced after that game. I didn't fall asleep until close to one. Um, so I'm on about three hours and then I woke up, I walked to work as like two and a half miles. I was walking to get here because we had to record a little bit earlier than we were going to. So I'm walking as fast as I can. Angelo grabs me to, to come on the air and Al looks at my back and he goes, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, what? And I, I look at the back of my shirt and it's covered in sweat. So I'm like, I'm a disaster. <laughs> like I, I look, I look awful. What a game. <laughs> I mean, I think I, that was the sort of game. I mean, that was I. I've even though there have been blowouts, I've enjoyed even the blowouts because the runs have been so impressive. I think in the games, but that was the game that it looked like Game Four um, was going to be, where it was just sort of like you know, it was really neck and neck. It looks like both teams had figured out the other team enough to be good, but not quite good enough to pull away. It was it was a really impressive game to watch. I think I think you have something in common with uh, Greg Popovich. I, when I was watching his presser this early this morning, I guess the only thing I remember, I, I think this is the last thing before I went to bed, and I'm also working on like four hours of sleep. He looked like he was drenched with sweat too. Yeah, I I can't confirm that. I mean, I might have been seeing stuff after that game, like, I, but I I do think he was drenched with sweat too. That was that was crazy good. Um, it got a little, uh, it got a little choppy at the end. Yeah, but just from a sheer drama standpoint, that was like, uh, you you can't do better than that. <laughs> I think it got a little choppy because I, to me, especially in the overtime, they all looked gassed. I mean, there was one particular, oh, really? there was one that LeBron post up that he just he the, the the one that he just missed. I think that was in overtime. He uh like. It was everything he did, but it looked like it was at about 70% speed. Like, it just, nobody looked like they were moving quite. And when they'd have that speed, it'd be for a burst. Like, Parker would have a burst of it, uh, but that would be it. But they all just looked, I mean, because they're they're all, it's so hard, I feel like, to defend the other team. It takes so much effort to defend the other team. By the end of these games, it just doesn't, It did, especially last night, it didn't look like they had much left. No. And... I think the most impressive part of the latter latter game, the late stages. I the more I think about it, I think this is weird to say. I think Chris Bosh was the most impressive person. Yeah, absolutely. And it had nothing to do with what you usually associate him with, which is spacing the floor and being really skilled and picking rolls and stuff like that. He just made like four or five. Awesome plays defensively and on the offensive boards that just won the game for them. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he, um, he, I mean, defensively, it was, 
you know, it, he's a strange guy to figure out because he, he gets a lot of heat. He seems like a good dude. He seems well-intentioned. I, you know, when, when he's not playing well, I never assume it's because he's not, he doesn't want to give effort. He's just, I, there, there's some, there's something, you know, not quite, um, I don't know if it's not quite super competitive about him or whatever it is. And the, especially, it can't be easy to go from being number one option guy to number three option guy and and be able to stay, I guess, mentally in the game. But when he when he does what he did last night, um, you know, everybody sort of says, "Well, why can't he do that all the time?" Well, I don't know physically. Like he, you know, he's he's a sort of a slight guy, and I, I don't know that he can, can bang like that. Um, you know, can keep balls alive like that as consistently as you want him to, and still be able to hit eighteen foot jump shots. You know, but uh, but he was. Uh, and the first half, I thought he was terrible too. Um, for him to sort of yeah, come was, back from that, he was horrible. Yeah, Duncan, that was that was all on him. And yeah, it just just shows what a weird game it was. That after literally giving up probably the most impressive half in in a playoff game in about five years, he comes back in the fourth quarter and makes you know every big play and sort of bailed out his team. Um, there were a few things that I wanted to make sure that we talked about. I don't want to spend too long on uh, on the officiating stuff, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. It was it, uh, it was hit it was bad. It was really bad. I feel like it was equally bad. You know, I thought those um, I thought at least one of the two Kawhi Leonard plays early was a um, was an offensive foul. And I thought you you, you could have called nothing or you could have called both of them, but you know the the dunk I thought was, but certainly the the push off of LeBron was at very best a no call I thought. Um, but even as far as like that ball that quite obviously went off LeBron James, how they can I think sometimes what they do is they decide that if it's close and they're not going to call the foul, they give the offensive guy at least possession. But it was so blatant, um, and then the calls down the stretch against San Antonio. I could see how both sides could be uh, totally, um, you know, to- angry. I could see how people who were cheering for San Antonio could be angry, angry toward the end of the game, but I thought it was called poorly on both sides. Yeah, here's the thing that I would say when you're going to complain about calls at the end of the game. You have to realize that there are probably... 200 calls that an official could screw up. Each official, probably. The whole game. So, to act like the Ginobili call, which I'm doing, it was a bad call. To act like the game was completely officiated fairly up to that point and just say the Spurs got screwed, I don't think that's really fair. Like, you're right. On that, um, on that monster Leonard dunk where I, I just went crazy in the first quarter, right? When when he dunked on Miller, I I jumped out of my seat. I was going crazy. And then I think I saw you mention it on Twitter that you said, oh, that's a foul. And then I rewinded it, and you're right. I, he hit him in the face. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't like it was. some guy said, well, that was incidental. His arm was there. I was like, no. nah, he pushed the guy's face away with his – I mean, it was a it was an in-the-air clear-out. Yeah. 
Um, I think every time, you know, it's funny, every great Blake, Blake Griffin dunk, somebody will go, hey, not for nothing, but he's clearing the guy out with his arm. Like, that's what he's doing. So, yeah, that was what he did. Um, and the, the other good point you make is that, you know, I, I, I do believe, you know, Simmons always talks about, and I think people, you know, let's take the, the hey, the, the game is fixed and, you know, the NBA is fixing the game. Let's take that out because that's silly. I, I do think that maybe there's, you know, a thought in the back of a ref's mind that, hey, um, you know, maybe we'll think about calling it this way or that way or how the, you know, how the series is going. Maybe we certainly have a, a vibe for, hey, this team's getting away with too much and this team isn't. So maybe that exists. But to say that, you know, the refs are trying to create a game seven by waiting until an overtime play when they can call it poorly, when there's more attention. What people don't understand is that when refs are, are point shaving and when, when that's going on, they're doing it at times that you're not noticing it. They're doing it at times in the middle of the game when they might be able to call something and they decide not to and they decide to let – they're not going to – it's just a bad call. It's not, a, it's not a, in a, on, on purpose bad call because it would be the worst way to do it on purpose when everybody's paying attention. And- they're mostly just bad calls too. It's not. It's not fixing a game or anything. Yeah, I, I, I don't think people realize how many fifty-fifty calls went the Spurs' way, even in like the fourth quarter. I, I'm just thinking back right now because I, I've been thinking about that game all night. Like, there was one play where Ginobili somehow had a shooting foul, which I, I don't even... Oh, play. yeah! They, they get, he had the ball down by his, his waist. He was just dribbling in the lane, and it somehow ended up being a shooting foul. I was... I don't think it was even a foul. It was on LeBron. It was, it was brutal. No, it was, I think it was on Mike... Wasn't it on Miller? It might have been on LeBron. I think you're right. It was on LeBron. It was one of those two. There's another one that I think nobody mentioned, not even like Van Gundy or Breed. There was one play where Sort of, it was. I think it was after a long rebound. This was in regulation too. So don't, you know, if you want to argue about overtime, the game might not even get to whatever point it is. If, if this call, if this is called correctly, I think the Heat were up. This might have been right before Parker made that that bomb, that step back three from about twenty five feet. Um, there was like a long rebound, and Danny Green called timeout at half court. I don't think anybody saw this. He went back court. He picked the ball up in the front court, and then he lost his balance and swept it over the half court line and just picked it up. So on the other side. wait, so I mentioned this, and like ten people respond to me that I'm an idiot. One guy this morning still responding to me that I'm an idiot because I don't understand what back court is because the Spurs have to have possession. But all I could think was that Miami never had – possession never changed. Wade tipped the ball, but possession never changed. The Spurs had the ball. So then he – He picked it up. Yeah. He picked it up in the front court. Yes. That's, it's over after that. Yeah. And it's like that, – that's what happens when the margins – again, it's, even for somebody who's played a lot of basketball in my life, I can't say I know exactly what the rule is and the NBA might be okay. But if you pick the ball up and then – Bring it to the other side of the line. Even if your foot doesn't go over, if you put that ball on the ground on the other side of half court, I'm pretty sure that's backcourt. Like, but I, I just think that's the point that people need to realize. There are a bunch of calls that influence the game. And just 
focusing at the end of the game and saying, oh, the Spurs got screwed because Ginobili didn't get that call. It's it's dumb. You know, you're going to drive yourself crazy doing that. It's yeah. too easy. It, and then there was one other that I remember, too. Remember when uh, LeBron hit Parker in the um, – in the chin in, yes. in the overtime period when he was posting up. That was the most incidental elbow ever. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like punishing LeBron James for being stronger than Parker and getting position. That's essentially what they were doing. It was funny, Van Gundy said, uh, that I, I knew I knew exactly what he was going to say, too. He said, that's, he said, that's a play on. And uh, I think, I forget who tweeted this. I think it might have been that guy, Network, and and he said something that every time Van Gundy says something that sort of espouses physical play, there should be a disclaimer on the bottom that said Coach Charles Oakley. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> Anthony Mason. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They coached, and I was a I was a big fan of the Knicks at that time. But coached essentially, the, you know, the leaders in the ugliest era of NBA basketball. I think that I've ever watched was that era. Yeah, that '90s era of the Knicks uh, into the 2000s—it was disgusting. Um, all right, yeah. we we spent too much. Too. Uh, by the way, and Steve Javi, you know, I'm I'm sick. Of, I don't want to hear from him anymore. He's worth. He was worse than Mike Pereira. All Steve Javi does is agree with whatever the officials' call is. Like, I don't want to hear that. That was. There's no way. And I'm not one to say that you change. You know, you um you change how you call the game toward the end of a game rather than in the beginning. But if you want, if you want to call that on LeBron James in the beginning of the game to set a tone that says, "Hey, we're not, you know, you're, you're not throwing people around," like that's when that call happens. That call doesn't happen in overtime or in the the, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter on the best player wait. in the NBA on a guy who's smaller than him who's uh, who's flopping. Yeah, wait, just like two quick things on the officials. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'll be done with them. Um, yeah, and. Just to make a point, like LeBron benefited from a bad Duncan call earlier in the game too. Not to say that the Heat didn't have some calls go their way, but San Antonio shot more free throws than them. Like I, you cannot say that this is fixed because they missed that Ginobili call. Like to say that like the NFL or the or excuse me, the NBA has a lack of integrity compared to other sports. The NFL. It's freaking replacement refs for three weeks. Yeah, like, yeah. That's the biggest lack of integrity I've ever seen in my life. The baseball, I they miss a call every Phillies game I watch. That guy, what was the guy's name that they kept booing? Oh, it, it wasn't Joe West. It was um, it was the other guy that they hate. Um, that guy, yeah. Like, that guy's an umpire. Yeah. Hockey, they missed a brutal call. Oh, it was, bo- it was Bob Davidson. It was Bob Davidson. It was Balkan Bob Davidson. That's who it was. That, that's uh, what it. Yeah. So, that that was right. and then the last thing that I'd say about the rest um, on the uh, on the last play there was a lot of I got a few texts about if Bosch made contact with with Green on that shot which which he did um, and a lot of people were were angry about that one I, if if anybody on Sports Center today just watch the replay of that and see how Green gets open splitter sets. Like, like a KG, yeah, and Perkins moving screen. They would have been so proud of him. <laughs> it was he. He takes Ray Allen. He literally walks with them for about three yards and takes him up. That's how he gets open. And I mean, if that doesn't get called, like, 
I'm not too worried about that. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they're not calling either of those things. I mean, they're not going to call the splitter thing, and they're not going to call the green thing. And I'll tell you, um, and this is certainly not the way to call a game, but yeah, he made contact, but the poetry of Bosch's pregame quote that Danny Green was not going to get open today and then him blocking that final shot on really, like, uh, you know, they had trouble getting to him in the corner for an entire series. So, honestly, Bosch finding his way over there. Um, Bosch, is, by the way, who is the starting center, incidentally, the starting center for the Miami Heat, uh, chases down Danny Green in the corner, um, and the block itself was cleaned. You know, he made contact with the body yeah. afterwards. You, you, there's, I don't, I don't care. I'm not. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with them. That I wouldn't I'm put like, that. He's blocking. He's blocking that shot regardless. Like, yeah, like he read it perfectly, and he was there. And that, it's, it's just he's blocking that shot. Of of the bad calls last night, I wouldn't have put that in the the top thirty. You know, that wouldn't have that wouldn't have struck no. me as a bad call. All right. Um. So, uh, LeBron James, um. You know, I, I've sort of had enough of, and myself included, this is everybody, but um, rather than, I love Twitter for sporting events. I do. I, I think that as many negative things as there are, um, there are a million positive things. Having the communal experience while watching a game, but essentially sitting at home um, trying to not wake my fiance up upstairs, but really watching the game with a thousand people is, is a cool experience. And, um, you know, people noticing things that you don't notice. But we have this sort of um, uh, need to make um, definitive proclamations about about things before they've seen their way through. Um, and honestly, making a proclamation on this series at this point is a bad one. But making a proclamation that LeBron James has proven, that I, that's the one that I see all the time, LeBron has proven that he just doesn't have the heart to come through in this kind of situation at halftime of Game 6 of the Finals for a guy that's won four MVPs um, that has his team in, you know... it Like, I understand the narrative leading up to this point, but nothing at this point proves anything about that. Um, and that's why I thought his run was so interesting. I, I was trying to figure out... Um, you know, you sit there, and obviously it's a million different factors. Uh, uh, Abbott on... Uh, Henry Abbott on True Hoop... The other day, wrote a almost read like poetry just about how much chance will play a part in who ends up winning, um, you know, the NBA Finals. About how close these teams are, and a bounce here and a bounce there. You, you forget about that sometimes. But I'm sitting there trying to figure out: Is this LeBron saying, "All right, you know, um, is it panic? Is it I'm not going to let anyone else, um, you know, decide my fate? Is it, um, you know, like what is it?" that creates that what appears to be sense of urgency and just dominant defensively, um, not taking the, uh, not allowing Boris Diaw to play the, I'm playing five feet off of you and we're stacking the late. Like, what happened that allowed him to do that? Because it was a really special stretch of basketball that he played. Well, you know the answer to this, right? <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, they, they took weight off the floor. Yeah, he. That to me was completely schematic. Like, as soon I, I, I even said this too. I mean, it's not like I'm going to go back and take credit for it now. But on Twitter, I said at the time, 
because I was just binge tweeting the hell out of this game. I just said, look, I, I think this lineup will work offensively. He has no space when Wade is in. And they scored. Uh, they must have scored 20 points in the first half of the fourth quarter. He was, that was the best. And let me say something. As like a LeBron James fan, I've been a little, I've been disappointed with him in this series. Mm-hmm. Not not in the sense of his heart or whatever. I just, I just don't think he's been that good or as good as he can be. Yeah, not not comparatively to the mean, but comparatively to to him, what you expect out of him. Um, yeah. You know, he's the probably the one guy that you can see go for twenty five nine and seven and say, "Wow, that wasn't really as good as you can play." Yeah, but that said, the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, I that was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. That was awesome. Yeah, he just went out there and just total control over the game, both ends, like. Trying to, I'm trying to remember. I'm looking at the, looking at the, uh, the gameplay on ESPN, the play-by-play. He he hit a couple guys for threes. He hit Miller and Chalmers for threes, which you just couldn't help on him. If you helped on him, he would find the guy. He definitely he had a monster dunk off a of pick and roll. I remember that. And the, the big thing that he did sort of to get the crowd into it. He had that block on Duncan where he came out of nowhere. And then on the other end of the floor, he goes up and under on him. That was, I mean, that was so much fun. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say except he just, he needs the space. The fact that they played Miller and Allen, Chalmers, and I think it was Birdman was the other guy, he had room to operate. When he drove to the basket, he either got there or there was, or help came, and he would make him pay. It was that simple. Oh, he also had an amazing pass to uh, to Birdman when Duncan was cheating over yeah. on the other side of the. Like, it, sometimes it's that simple, you know. And then they brought Wade back in, and he had trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. The whole Wade thing is funny um, because uh, you know you watch when Wade sort of gets out of the way when LeBron's in there, and it seems like. Half the time, it ends up with a. It's, it's almost like it's a. It must be a weird thing for LeBron James to be playing with Wade, and I'm sure on some level know that it's easier for James when Wade isn't there. I don't know if on the whole it makes them better. Like you know, at least for this one time against this team, the way that Wade is playing, it certainly made them better for for that stretch. But I always see when occasionally when Wade doesn't do his, and and the worst thing about Wade being in there. Um, is that it, it? It's not like they don't. They just don't play well together. In that, what LeBron does is create open jump shots, and what Dwayne Wade doesn't do is is hit jump shots. So it seems yeah. like without fail, James will drive the lane when it's when it it looks like it's working. James will drive the lane, do a kick out to Wade, who is standing at the three point line, who won't shoot it. Who takes a couple of steps in, then a couple of steps back, and then it just ends up being a Dwayne Wade ISO, you know, from a what looks like a created play. And when you have, I'm not saying that that uh, clearly Mike Miller, Dwayne, uh, Ray Allen, not better players than Dwayne Wade uh, right now or ever, but when they when those guys are standing there and shoot that ball without hesitation, that is a better shot than whatever Dwayne Wade's going to get after that because Wade has never been able to shoot threes. Can't and not only can he not shoot them, but 
he doesn't he's not even at the point where he keeps the other team honest by shooting it. He doesn't even shoot them now. He won't even um he won't even take that shot. So it makes it tough. And then when he brings so so you, you know, I'm waiting in the back of my head. You know Wade's on the bench. You know on some level that Spolstra ha- I I think probably has to put him back in the game at some point. Like I don't maybe he didn't, but and maybe if it's Greg Popovich he has the sort of, you know, uh, cachet to say, hey, you're not coming back in. And maybe the player will throw a private temper tantrum about it, but won't. But I feel like Spolster just doesn't have that yet um, and isn't going to sit him. You know, I think if the Spurs were on a 20 to nothing run with Duncan on the bench, I feel like Duncan would stay on the bench. Um, but I don't think Spolster is going to do that. But then to have the, then the dumbest part of it, was not to put him back in the game, which I think we all, anyone who was wanted Miami to win last night sort of groaned when he came back in the game. But the first play, when he comes back in the game, we're playing, hey, let's get D. Wade involved again oh. and give him the ball on the block. Like, what do you, he hasn't been good. I know in general he has a good post-up game, but he hasn't been good there all series, you know? Um, what are we was- doing? What is, and then the next play, I think he took a, a, a 17-foot jump shot. Like, it killed whatever momentum they had, um, whatever, forget about momentum, the way that they were playing that allowed them to take that lead, it was crushed. In, in 30 seconds, it was crushed. That, uh, yeah, that play, the baseline screen for, for Wade, the post-up, that was, that was like fireable. That, I mean, Bolster is a really good coach too. Like I, I don't want to get that that twisted. Like I think he's very good, and I think especially for all the flack he took during his first year, how he sort of rolled with that, and how he's gotten better on the job, and handled the team, which has proven to be pretty pretty tough to handle at times when when the playoffs get to the nitty gritty part. That said, like. I totally agree with you. Like he, in two major spots, he called plays that basically got Wade, you know, fadeaway jumpers, seventeen foot jumpers. That's horrible, especially if you just watch LeBron and just kill them and get you back into the game. Here's some. Uh, look at this up right now. Look at this. I think it's the matchup too that. Yeah. Like the Spurs especially have really made made such a difference when Wade's in the game just because they're helping off of him. They're sinking off him. Look, here are the numbers, right? Their offensive rating when both those guys are on the floor, 100.8. When it's just LeBron, it's 131. <laughs> so. The rating's 112 when they're both on the floor. And it's 89 when they're off the floor, which is kind of shocking because I I think conventional wisdom would say they'd be better defensively playing weight on the floor, but I guess not. Yeah, not for, for anyone listening, it, like you know, I assume most people understand, but that offensive rating essentially is points per 100 possessions. So um, you know, it'd be crazy. Here's here's what you need to know. It's a crazy disparity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a very it's essentially it's thirty it's it's scoring you know thirty percent more points. There's a you know there's a they are thirty percent better with Dwayne Wade off the floor with LeBron on it. Which um, the the one thing that Wade helps what at least in this series or anything the one thing that Wade does help out with 
is that the way that LeBron James played for that stretch isn't sustainable energy-wise, um, especially because you know LeBron said a couple of uh, said something a couple of years ago that he got a lot of flack for, and I think he deservedly so. But I think it's true when he said that um, people take for granted what he does and and they don't appreciate it all the time. And I think one thing that people take for granted is here you have a guy that is the size of Carl Malone and obviously an exceptional athlete, but the size of Carl Malone who's guarding um who's guarding David West last series and this series is guarding Tony Parker, who is arguably the best point guard in the NBA. So you're talking about a guy that would normally be guarded by Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, you know, guys of that size and that sort of build compared to um, LeBron, who just, you, when you have to move that much more mass um, that he has, that, you know, at that speed, it just, it sort of takes its toll. So I think, you know, when people say, well, why can't he do that all game? Well, I don't know that it's sustainable for him to do that all game energy-wise, you know, the bat out of hell guy. So what Wade does is that he allows, it's as simple as bringing the ball up and initiating some sort of offense, being able to be, you know, have somebody other than Chalmers be a ball handler on a screen and roll, um, you know, to defend whoever that guy is occasionally. Uh, Wade, in general, is a good rebounder. Uh, in general, is a good defender. So, you know, he does, I think, take some of the pressure off of him. And in a matchup that isn't this particular matchup, I think he helps. But in this one, um, I do I do think, um, you know, having more time with LeBron off the floor. Uh, this was, it was actually something that you saw in the first year of the Heat was that, the best time that you would see LeBron at his best yeah. when Wade wasn't at the floor, they would have these stretches where it would look, you would literally, it would literally look like LeBron was breathe a, a gasp of relief and get to do what he was most comfortable doing. You know, that was, that was a big storyline the first year, especially because he came right off of playing in Cleveland, basically in that lineup. And people said, Oh yeah, hey, this reminds me of last year, you know? Um, but the numbers were actually, very supportive of that, too. As, as much as we're killing Wade, I do think he might have made the biggest play of the game. Maybe the second biggest, because Ray Allen is the biggest play, probably. Yeah. But do you remember LeBron missed that first three when they were down five, I think? Yep, and then uh, they got tapped back to him. Um, yeah. It is. The play, yeah, it got, it got tapped back to him. The play Wade makes on that, he jumps twice. It's like, it goes up in the middle of the lane, and he tips it over Kawhi Leonard. He basically he didn't go over Leonard's back, but he reached over him, which is pretty impressive because Kawhi Leonard was was grabbing everything during overtime and towards the end of the fourth quarter. Even he tips it once, then has to jump again on his on his gimpy knee, has to jump again, make a quick second jump, and Eventually, it ends up finding Mike Miller, who's LeBron for the for a three, which this time he made. That I mean, if he doesn't make that play, they lose. They're they're done. So, as much as we're killing him, I do think he made one of the the more unsung plays of the game. Um, one one thing I wanted to ask you about. It was funny that it was such a big deal during the Pacers series, and it was so quiet um, last night, except for one guy. Um, one guy harping on me about it that it was a mistake and I, I wouldn't agree with him is Vogel got crushed for not having um, Hibbert on the floor for those final two seconds and LeBron gets to the that's gets the rim gets that layup wins the game that I guess 
was it that play or in the last 30 seconds when Miami went ultra small and Duncan wasn't on the floor? Um, and I think when Wade got that rebound, if I remember correctly, Duncan was not on the floor. Uh, uh, I believe you're right, yes. And and the, I would imagine the thought behind that is, first of all, Duncan wasn't particularly effective in any facet of the game after, um, I think he scored midway through the third quarter, and then that was that was it. Um, but when when Miami goes that small, I imagine that the and you know they need a three. They're down five points. Um, I imagine the thought is, hey, we don't want to get caught on a switch with one of five guys who can shoot a three pointer here with Duncan, who just you know who, who won't be able to get to him. So we're gonna put our you know, five more athletic guys on there um, rather than you know. So I get I guess that's the thought. Did you? I mean, do you agree, disagree with that decision, not having him out there? Uh, you know what's, what's interesting about that? I don't really remember. Like, I mean, that game was so detailed, and there was so much stuff going on. Yeah. I don't really, like, that's like the Twilight Zone. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't exactly remember focusing on what Pop was thinking. I... I, yeah, you're right. I guess they they definitely went five small, but if if your big concern is giving up a three, then why don't you have Duncan play like Wade or somebody? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Probably or just play Wade and just say, all right, yeah, you can go buy me for a two pointer. But uh, yeah, I Duncan wasn't on the floor. That said, like. Wade's rebound was pretty extraordinary. It I was. don't know if Duncan like gets to that ball. Like they have Kawhi Leonard, who probably, like you said, Duncan wasn't playing very well. If Pop could have one guy there, he he definitely picked Tim Duncan. But if it's just a regular season game and you're just saying who's playing the best, and you don't have the emotion of like this is his legacy, let let Timmy finish it. I think you might pick Kawhi to get that. He was he had three or four very impressive rebounds, at least all around that period. And they had two other guys. I think they had Diao and maybe Ginobili, and Wade just beat them to it. And I think, funny enough, I think it slipped out of one of their guys' hands, which had which LeBron had been doing a couple times right before that. It, I, I I don't really know. I, I think it's just one of those things. I I'm. I'm definitely not going to criticize like Greg Popovich's legacy. I saw some people on Twitter saying, you know, is this Popovich a guy that just has like a lot of talent or whatever? Like, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, nothing. Nothing that happens in this series. I, I think I can safely say that nothing that happens in this series will make me think negatively of anybody in this series. No matter no. what happens, whatever happens in Game 7, it, it it should be. It won't. It won't. Especially if Miami loses, it won't. But it shouldn't be a negative indictment on any uh, on anything that anybody did in this series. Whoever wins this series will have won this series. You know, it, it won't be, hey, this guy wasn't good enough, this guy, you know— that, if they win, if the Spurs win, it doesn't mean that Tony Parker is the best point guard in the league. Either he is or he isn't. You know, it's at this point, yeah. everybody is who they are. Um, you know, LeBron, it doesn't, it's funny. Uh, I forget, I think Zach Lowe wrote it at some point. You know, it's funny that 
will basically judge whether this Miami Heat experiment was a success based on maybe a shot or two in Game 7. You know, they've gotten to this point, and uh, if they lose, I, I, I can't say that going to three finals and winning one of them and losing to the Spurs team is an indictment on the, you know, on the, the plan they had to win championships. I think, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want it to. You know, Boston only won one when they, they maybe should have won two in that four-year stretch with, with uh, Allen and, uh, and Garnett and Pierce. So who knows? But I, I just, I hope whatever the storyline is after Game 7, it's a— a positive storyline rather than a uh, a negative one. Um, I guess. Uh, oh, and the final thing um, about Spolstra is I I th- I think I've decided I think it's because I respect him and he's got balls. But the way that he'll change his rotation on a whim, I I could never decide whether it was a panic move or not. You know, whether starting Mike Miller is a panic move or like Haslam didn't play at all last night. After three games in which um, Chris Anderson doesn't play at all, you know, and whether he's, you know, panicking and sort of grasping at straws or whether he's like, you know, I have to be fluid and I have to figure out what works best. And I think it's the latter. You know, I think I, I sort of have respect for him for for changing those things up at this juncture of the season. I, it's with the way the Pacers sort of operated with, with Frank Vogel saying like, we're going to play big and that's how we are. I, I feel like when you have a lot of moving pieces and a generally smaller team, yeah, you're right. I think, I think I've come to the same conclusion, just that I think when you have such a fluid offense and everything is so motion based, then I think your rotation is going to be a little more fluid too. Um, I, I don't think it's a panic move. I think it's just a sort of a way they operate now, you know? Um, this wasn't working. Let's try something different because something different often works out. For us, you know. Um. Well. So, what do you think? I mean, this is the um. This is this. I think would be. I've had no feel for who was going to win any game. I was. Um. I was partly convinced midway through the first quarter last night that San Antonio was going to win by ten, and I said that it feels like a Spurs twelve point win. But I was partly predicting it and partly just trying to um, jinx them uh, because I wanted a seventh game uh, and I want LeBron James to win. So I really, I guess history tells you that Miami wins on Thursday and that a game seven at home, you know, um, in the the times that in the 2-3-2 two, two, when the, the home team has won game six, they've always won game seven. I don't think that a team has lost a game seven at home in this sort of um it doesn't mean that it's impossible. I guess it just means that history says that Miami wins um, on Thursday, but I really don't know. I mean, I guess I'll say Miami, but I really I don't have any idea. I, I saw it seems like the general point of view is that the Spurs are dead. I don't, I, I don't understand how anybody's comfortable saying that. Like, they've been the better team this series for, I think, more, more of it. I think Miami's had a couple awesome stretches but like even tonight like I thought San Antonio was better and you know Miami just found a way like to just make all the correct plays and you know San Antonio gave them a little help with the free throws I'm not willing to say that like Danny Green didn't play that well like what if he shoots well like that's the thing about game seven like it's just one game the thing about Game 7 that sort of 
would tilt the scales in the Heat's favor. Game sevens aren't usually very good. Yeah. Like, I remember that um, that Lakers-Celtics game seven. That was in, like, the 70s. Those games are just so intense that it gets to a point where you can't play, like, fluid basketball like you were saying in the first half. Like, And I would think that sort of favors Miami. The Spurs, sort of the precision team, need to be operating through their sets and have their timing down and things like that. I would think a a normal Game 7 that we've seen through history would favor Miami. That said, this this series, there's no indication that that's going to be the case. No. I think the only thing that... um... You know, I certainly don't think the Spurs are cooked at all. I think the one thing that you can take from Game 6 is that the amount, it sort of felt like that the Spurs, you do whatever you can to win every game, but it sort of felt like the Spurs, as far as minutes go, um, and as far as the way that Duncan played, it sort of felt like this was their, we're doing it now, game. And I don't know... You know, with the I get Miami's old too. You know, but it sort of felt like Miami at home might have a little more in the tank for Game Seven than the Spurs might. Um, but that's just guesswork. I mean, who knows? I mean, and again, no team has won two in a row during this. So if you want to talk about, you know, it probably means more that that's the case than that no away team has won a Game Seven. You know, in this uh, that that probably that historically probably means less than. Than, than this means. Um, I guess the last game seven Lakers Celtics a few years ago was good. Uh, the 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 Kobe six for twenty four game um, <laughs> when uh, <laughs> Kobe haters. No, wait, but but he's he's won five rings though. Yes, he has won five rings. Um, you know, I, I'll give that ring to Ron Artest uh, before I give it to Kobe Bryant because he what bailed him. What a crazy game that was! Yeah, Ron Artest hit the biggest shot of the game. Yeah, Boston was up like 15 points in the second half. I think I, I was. They were starting Rasheed Wallace at center. Like, yeah, like it, it just doesn't make sense. I yeah, but like the game like that shows that it doesn't make sense that Ron Artest makes a three to win the game, where the whole. The whole Lakers crowd for the whole playoffs had been going. Every time he teed one up, would just be no, 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 no. Yeah, that's, that's what they win there. That's what they win on. Uh, well, what's I, your... I, I agree with you on the point about uh, about the Spurs kind of giving their all. It seemed like they pulled a lot of shots sort of out of their butt, you know? Yeah. Like, sort of like that Parker step back, like. That's not sustainable. Like, like that wasn't that was a lucky shot. Like it was a great shot, but you can't defend that better. Like, there's a ten percent chance that goes in. And the funny part was he he got another look later. I think it might have been in the overtime. That was like the same thing. And it was way short. And I I was thinking in my head like, oh good, like LeBron deserved that. Like yeah, yeah. They played great defense. Like well, I think it's almost like the the the. the the stamp of this series is that none of this is sustainable. You know, like none, nope. not one run that anyone's had is actually sustainable. Danny Green's performance shooting somehow isn't sustainable, but has been. Um, uh, he missed. He missed a couple wide open threes. By the way, he did. Yeah, 
Like, um, only two, but that with the way he's shooting, that feels like twenty. Yes, yeah. It's it's uh, a friend of mine said once uh, it was about the Sixers, but it sort of feels like Danny Green now. He said that um, when you're watching the Sixers, it feels like every wide open three on the other team that the other team shoots is definitely going in, and you're you're surprised and relieved when any wide open three goes in for the Sixers. Like that's what he said. It's just like this feeling he has. Um, and that was, it's sort of like the Danny Green feeling is that when one doesn't go in, it, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm like, you know, it feels like it's okay. Maybe this, this streak is over now. Um, but man, he is, he is locked in. I'll tell you, it is a testament to Popovich. I think that, um, you know, Danny Green has this one particular skill. He can't, or two skills, I guess he can dribble and he, or he can shoot and he can defend. He can't dribble. Um, and I think Kawhi Leonard is also a, a, a testament to Popovich in that I think Kawhi Leonard is a nice player and does really nice things, but um, he is very good at doing specifically exactly what is asked of him. You know, I, I don't know I don't know how good he is if you stick him on another team and ask him to do more. Um, and maybe he will be that good eventually because he's sort of been eased into it. But it is that it is that system that allows these guys to be good. You almost wonder, man, if Thaddeus Young was on the Spurs, because you know Thaddeus Young could yeah. develop a corner three. I mean, he was a three point. He shot thirty thirty five percent from three or thirty three percent from three at one point in his career. If you just told him, Thad, your job is to be Kawhi Leonard, like that could be Kawhi Leonard, I think you know, or some version of that. Oh, they'd be devastating because he could play four too. Yeah, they'd be devastating. Yeah. I'd- Kawhi Leonard, I mean, it's just it's the classic Popovich thing. Kawhi Leonard on a scale of one to ten, it's probably like a six and a half. But Popovich makes him in that system. He's an eight and a half, you know. So. Well, you want to uh, you want to make your you know I said I said I, if I have to pick, I'm picking Miami. Where are you? I mean, I gave the biggest caveat in the world. I did. I said Miami, but I don't know. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I, I'll say that too because I okay. I literally don't know. But if, if you have to pick, I mean, I think you pick against a team that that's coming off one of the most devastating losses ever um, that I've ever seen. Like that, that's just got to be excruciating. <laughs> yeah, and on. What do you think? Real quick, what did you think about the Parker shot at the end of regulation? Um, what I'm trying to remember it now. I feel like I'm you like, with the. I, I don't rem- like everything. Seems like a blur to me. What shot was that? Oh, you, like you mean whether? Out of bounds? Yeah, whether it was a, a good shot or whether it was. I, I sort of felt like LeBron pushed him a little bit. Um, yeah, it was one of those that you're, you're not calling that. So. Yeah. Um, I I'm surprised they didn't give him a screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and just settle for like that 15 footer because I feel like Tony Parker taking that shot. It's like. Yeah, it's got like a fifty percent chance of going in. Way, way more than it probably should. He does seem though um, at a. Um, he does seem. Maybe it's because he's. I, th- maybe it's. I don't watch a ton of Spurs during the season, um, but in this series, Parker has been, and in the playoffs, he's so good at finishing at the rim. Like it, he. he it's almost like he never ever misses when he gets into the paint. Um, so much so that he seems almost generally reluctant to take jump shots. And he's he's not a great jump shooter. He's a decent jump shooter, but he seems overly reluctant to take jump shots, and I'm, I wonder if it's because he's been finishing so well, and maybe he was just trying to get, um, I don't know. But, yeah, th- there wasn't a screen. It was, it, was, um, it was just pretty much go. 
um, and that was the the shot he got. Which whether LeBron pushed him or not was not a good shot. Even I mean, even for him, trying to score against LeBron with five seconds full court, like especially in a situation where the refs are not going to call anything that's a minor infraction, like just didn't seem like a good thing. I I think he leads the league in layups that that don't go in the box. Like yes, the, the English he puts on the ball—it's amazing. Yeah, they they like slide over the top of the rim. They feel like they're almost climbing the rim as they get over it. Like the geometry, like that goes into the shots he, he puts up. Like he he always he's always shooting like with just no angle, but he knows exactly how to bank it in and get it over some seven foot guy's head, hand too. So yeah, I think I think the Heat are going to win. Um, well, I thank you for uh, for your time this morning, Rich Hoffman. Uh, read him on Liberty Ballers. Read him occasionally when he feels like it on uh, uh, quarterpounder.nocheese.com. And uh, is it Rich underscore Hoffman? Is that the uh, the Twitter? That is that is the Twitter. One F two M's on Hoffman. There you go. Well, next time we got to get Andy Jasner on this, so I feel like it all. I feel like there's a. <laughs> it would be extra funny. Uh, Given, oh, yeah. Yeah, given the history and the lineage, um, maybe we could do like a three man show. We can go out and do things, and we'll just we'll just put our last names up on the 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 um, the marquee and have people disappointed when they show up. We'll do we'll do block we'll do block calls in public. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, Rich. See you. Man. See ya.